so I'm not sure if this is the right word, but don't you love the irony of certain things? Stronger than darkness. Get, get, get some big burly guy and have him push darkness out of the room. Stronger than darkness. And the song before that, his dying breath has brought us life. Wait, what? Dying brought life? God is amazing. He is absolutely amazing. Our scripture reading is from Matthew 26, uh, 27, pardon me, starting at verse 40, 45, reading through 56. Give you a little context. Um, Jesus is been hung on the cross. Um, the a couple things you'll hear here is mentioning the sixth hour and the ninth hour. It says earlier that um, uh, the, the sixth hour is about noon, the ninth hour is about 3 p.m. Mark tells us that Jesus was originally crucified at 9 a.m. So Jesus has been on the cross from 9, and now verse 45 starts out uh, telling us it's around noon. Hear the reading from the word of our most holy God. Now the sixth hour... There was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, This man is calling for Elijah. And one of them filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But others said, Wait, Let's see whether Elijah will come and save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split and the tombs were opened. And many of the bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. And when the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. And there were also many women there looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. Here ends the reading of God's most holy word. Thank you, Tim. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for revealing yourself to us through the word, the living word, the written word. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for speaking good news to us in a desperate situation. Thank you for revealing truth to us that rescues us from our sin that puts our feet on a firm foundation that gives us hope for this life and the life to come. And Father, right now as we open up your word, 
I pray that you would enable me by your spirit to say what your word says, but I pray that your spirit would also give all of us ears to hear what you want us to hear this morning from you, from your word, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we know that Easter is about five weeks away, and central to the Christian faith is the death of Jesus. Um, there is no life for the Christian without the death of Jesus. Uh, the resurrection of Jesus demonstrates that God the Father accepted the death of Jesus as a sufficient payment to redeem a people for his glory. Now, understanding what happened when Jesus died helps us to understand why we are commanded in the passage that Tony read earlier, the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we're commanded to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And today we want to learn what happened when Jesus died as told in Matthew's gospel, the portion that Tim just read. There are a lot of things that we could say, but I want us just to work through that text and pay attention to what happened when Jesus died. But before we go there, um, let's briefly rehearse some key truths God has revealed to prepare us for the death of Jesus, to understand the significance of the death of Jesus. One, we, we know that God created mankind without sin, but because of the sin of Adam, you and I came into this world guilty before God and sinning because we are sinners. And we know from Scripture that sin brings death, sin brings judgment, sin brings separation from God, sin, sin brings brokenness and despair, Sinful man is ruled by a harsh master, Satan. Satan is the father of all lies, and his purpose is to steal, to kill, and destroy. Thankfully, the Bible is God's story of redemption. God promised to send a deliverer, and the Bible is God's story of doing exactly what he promised. The Old Testament prepared the way for Jesus to be revealed as God's Messiah, God's promised anointed one. But for the Jew, when they, what they expected from the Messiah was radically different than what God had in mind. Isaiah's suffering servant in Isaiah 53 power, is a powerful picture of the death of Jesus for us. But the Jews could not comprehend the death of the Messiah the one that they were looking forward to so much. Jesus, again and again, foretold of his death to the disciples, but they could not comprehend his death until after the cross. We now know that the death of the Messiah demonstrates the profound wisdom of God in redeeming a people for his name. The death of Jesus is now God's central message of hope to a broken world. So what happened when Jesus died? 
And why is it important? First of all, what happened when Jesus died? Beginning in verse 45 of Matthew 27, we learn that there was darkness. Uh, Verse 45, now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour. We aren't told explicitly what caused this darkness. Some think it was a solar eclipse, but this could not have been a solar eclipse because that happens only at new moon, and the death of Jesus was at Passover, which is always at a full moon. So this darkness was not a natural occurrence. Instead, it was a supernatural act of God. But for what purpose? I would argue that God the Father was displaying his displeasure, his displeasure of and his judgment for sin, for your sin. I say your sin because I don't want this to be simply a history lesson. What happened on the cross was personal, not just for Jesus, but for you. I'm speaking to those who have put their faith in Jesus. It's for you. On that day when Jesus died on the cross from noon till 3 p.m., there was darkness over the land. Uh, The prophet Amos uh, helps us understand this darkness when God spoke through the prophet Amos to idolatrous Israel about coming judgment. Here's what he said in Amos 8, 9. And I quote, And on that day declares the Lord God, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. So the darkness over the land pointed to the reality of God's displeasure and in fact judgment being poured out for sin. Now, why why this displeasure and judgment? Well, most immediately, God's very own people... The the Jews had rejected Jesus as the Messiah and demanded that he be crucified. Uh, Humanly speaking, this was not good. That grieved the heart of God. He was greatly displeased. Jesus was innocent. He did not deserve to die. Uh, Darkness was a frown from heaven for his displeasure of this grievous sin and the necessity of judgment. But In God's sovereign purpose, God the Father also sent Jesus to die. And in his death, Jesus was experiencing the judgment of God for the sin of all of God's people. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 23, is one small verse that perfectly describes both the guilt of lawless men who crucified him and the sovereign purposes of God. And I quote, This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. So when Jesus hung on the cross, there was darkness. But but even worse than that was the fact that he was forsaken. Uh, Verse 46 says, Then about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So Jesus quotes the first part of Psalm 22, 1, and here King David cried out to God saying the same thing, my God, my God, why 
have you forsaken me? But then David continues, why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer and by night, but I find no rest. This is something David experienced, being forsaken with no rescue. Um, And it's true that Psalm 22 ends in a triumphal way, but here I think Jesus quotes this to express being forsaken by God with no rescue. What, What Jesus experienced on the cross was grueling. The Father put on him the weight of all judgment for our sin. Jesus experienced the Father turning his back on him, forsaking him. Jesus experienced separation from the Father. The passion of the Christ included all sorts, all sorts of suffering, uh, mocking, humiliation, jeering, spitting on his face, slaps across the face, beaten on the head with a rod, and a flogging, which was a Roman judicial penalty consisting of a severe beating uh, with a multi-lashed whip containing embedded pieces of bone and metal that would have shredded the skin and the flesh of Jesus. By the time Jesus was given the cross to carry to Golgotha, he was so weak from the beating that he stumbled upon the way to the cross, which is why they forced Simon of Cyrene to help. And though terrible beyond really my comprehension how he was treated physically, paled in comparison to being separated from his father. This separation from his father is the consequence of sin. It's spiritual death. Jesus never experienced anything like this. From eternity past, God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit communed in perfect fellowship and love. They experienced oneness and unity, but here, in being forsaken by the Father, Jesus was separated from the Father, and in doing so, he took upon himself the wrath of God for our sin. And it wasn't his sin, it was your sin, my sin. Jesus experienced this as your substitute. Jesus endured judgment for sin in your place. We call this substitutionary atonement. You remember the old uh, Negro spiritual that, and I'm not going to sing it, were you there when they crucified my Lord? Oh, were you there when they crucified my Lord? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble, to tremble, to tremble. Were you there when they crucified my Lord. How would you answer that question? Well, in one way, you were there in Adam with the Romans and the Jews driving the spikes into the hands of Jesus. 
But also, praise be to God, if you are in Christ by grace through faith, you are there with Jesus because He represented you. He took the judgment for your sin in your place. Your sin was paid in full when Jesus died as your substitute. Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, many people heard him say those words, but what they heard, they heard in absolute ignorance. Many failed to understand Jesus, verse 47 through 49. And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait. Let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. So when Jesus cried out, Eli, Eli, some thought he was calling Elijah. Some Jewish traditions taught that Elijah, who was taken to heaven without dying, would come and rescue the righteous when they called to him in distress. Some thought Jesus was just thirsty. They failed to understand the moment. And the truth of the matter is this, you too fail to understand the significance of the death of Jesus until the Holy Spirit gave you understanding. I remember doing an evangelistic study with a man who, who just wrestled for a while about what, why did Jesus have to die? He, he, in a very sincere and honest way, uh, seriously sought the scriptures for a biblical answer to that question. It's a great question. Why did Jesus die? N none of us understand that glorious truth without the Spirit's illumination. It becomes personal. Jesus endured judgment for sin in my place to satisfy the justice of God so I could be accepted by the Father without violating His justice. Jesus died for my sin. Jesus died for me. Jesus died for the church. And, and Jesus did this willingly. Verse 50, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up His spirit. So what, what happened when Jesus died? Well, one of the things that happened was obedience. Jesus willingly, Jesus willingly laid down his life for sinners. Hebrews 12, 2 says he did this for the joy set before him. He, uh, John 17, 4, Jesus prayed to his father saying, I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. In the Garden of Eden, it, Jesus prayed, if it is possible, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not I will, but as you will. Jesus willingly gave his life for sinners because that was the Father's will. And he loved the Father more than anything else. So what happened when Jesus died? The land was filled with darkness. Jesus was forsaken by the Father. People watched in ignorance and Jesus obeyed the Father. So why, why is that important? Let me mention three things from this text. The first thing to mention is this. 
there was a torn curtain. It becomes very, very important. Verse 51, and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Um, I, I love that picture. And actually, it's not just a picture, it's a reality. In, in the old covenant, Jesus, God dwelled with his people in the temple, but his presence was veiled. A veil or a curtain would separate the holy place from the holy of holies, where God dwelled. And only once a year, the high priest and only the high priest could enter into the presence of God on behalf of the people to make an atonement for sin, but he could do that only with blood of an animal that was shed for himself and for those that he represented. All of this was repeated every year because it didn't actually take away sin. The, the blood of bulls and goats never took away sin. They served instead to remind people of their sin and to point to Jesus and the death of the one who would be sufficient as our substitute to take away sin once and for all. Praise God. Only the death of Jesus can actually take away our sin. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So when the temple curtain was torn from top to bottom, God was putting an end to animal sacrifices. God was putting an end to worship at just the temple in Jerusalem. God was making the old covenant obsolete. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. God was saying, Jesus is enough. When the temple curtain was torn, we see that Jesus provides a new way to worship God. Jesus said in John 4, 23, but the hour is coming is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Jesus' death, once for all, provided real forgiveness of sin for all those that he came to save. And being forgiven of our sin, we worship and we serve him. We, we do that in spirit and in truth. We don't need to go to Jerusalem to worship. Um, Though going to Jerusalem is a good thing to do. Ken was just there. It's an awesome thing to, to, to walk where Jesus walked and to see a lot of those, those, those wonderful things. But you and I don't have to go to Jerusalem for worship. We have an opportunity to worship right here. We do that in spirit and in truth, through Christ. And with the help of the Spirit, we worship God wherever we are with our whole being in the truth that he reveals. Every single day provides opportunities for meaningful worship. Every day, you and I have an opportunity to approach the throne of God through Jesus, by the Spirit, and express our praise and our thanksgiving. We approach Him even, even boldly, knowing that we will find His grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. All of life is lived to please Him, no matter where we are. And we can please Him as we live by the truth that He reveals to us through His Word. That's all because 
Jesus died on the cross in our place. There's another thing we learn regarding the importance of Jesus' death, and it can be summed up in one word, and it's this, resurrection. Jesus' death would bring new life. A, a sampling of that was experienced in a most surprising way when Jesus breathed his last on the cross. <laughs> verse, the second half of verse 51 and through verse 53 says this, as Jesus breathed his last on the cross, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split, the tombs were opened up, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep, who had died, were, were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. It's an amazing thing. We, we don't know a great deal about uh, these people. We don't know that their resurrection, but we don't know who they were, but we do know that their resurrection was connected to the death of Jesus. And I believe that it is simply a gracious foretaste of more to come for the saints um, because his death, uh, because of his death, Jesus would also become our resurrection and life. One more thing. Notice the eyewitnesses here in this text. Um, God gave some people eyes to see that Jesus truly is the Son of God. Verse 54, when the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. Uh, even Roman soldiers who participated in the crucifixion were given eyes to see Jesus for who he really was. Not just a man, but also the Son of God. Jesus would in fact, save a people made up of believing Jews and believing Gentiles. We also see that in verses 55 and 56, there were also many women there looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Joseph, the mother of the son of Zebedee. Some of the most faithful followers of Jesus would come from the most surprising and unexpected places, such as Mary Magdalene, who was forgiven much and consequently loved Jesus much. So I want you to know, and I want you to um, just celebrate this truth with me, the central to the Christian faith is the death of Jesus Christ. That's why we are told that we are to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 1 Corinthians 15.3 says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ Jesus died for our sins and in accordance with the Scriptures. In coming weeks, we're going to also see the importance 
of the resurrection, but I stop there now just to put the spotlight on how central the death of Jesus is to the Christian faith. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. again, let me read that. For as often as we eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, this isn't just a history lesson. It is history. But it's history because it's God's story revealing to you the work that he did to provide redemption for his people. My question for you this morning is, do, do you believe? Do, do you believe? And no, I, I'm not saying I, it's okay to say I believe in God and I do my best to be good. That's not what I'm talking about when I say, do you believe? When I say, do you believe, I mean, do you believe God alone is good? Do you believe that you are a sinner deserving of God's just judgment? But do you believe that God gave His Son to die in your place? Are you, by believing, trusting in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation this morning? So how do we proclaim the Lord's death until He comes? Well, we do it in the Lord's Supper. We did that earlier today. We, we do that even our purpose statement as a church. We, we exist to speak and to believe the, the gospel of Jesus Christ for the joy of all people and for the glory of God. We want the, the work that God has done through Jesus in His death burial, and resurrection for our salvation to redeem us, to make us a people who belong to him. Um, we, we want that to be the message that we proclaim near and far. We, we exist to speak and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ for the joy of all people and for the glory of God. Um, part of that Part of what's behind that is that there is, there is no joy. There is no lasting joy apart from understanding the death of Jesus. Um, there's all kinds of brokenness that we all experience. There's all kinds of brokenness in the world. What, what gives us hope? It's the fact that Jesus was broken for us. Jesus died for us. And it's through faith in him that we are redeemed. We are set free from the power of sin. We're forgiven. We're reconciled. And we become his very own. How do we proclaim the death of Christ until he comes? We have to keep the gospel central. Um, we, we're, we're sinners saved by grace. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to God's word alone, and it's all for God's glory alone. The gospel has to be central in our life. Um, we are a people that should not be surprised when we learn that we have sinned, even as believers. We, we should be a people who quickly confess sin, repent of sin. And when we do that, we, 
we run to Christ with thankful hearts that he died for us and that in him the guilt of our sin is washed away. But more than that, in Christ, by his spirit, we experience life-changing power. The, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that is at work in us so that we can become what we, once, what we weren't uh, at one time in our lives. We are not now what we once were. We can become more Christ-like because of the power of the gospel at work. Uh, in the gospel, there's a promise that God's going to keep us. There, there's, a God, there's a promise that God's going to um, work in our lives, those of us who are truly born again, those of us who are trusting in Christ alone, he's going to keep us believing to the end. There's a promise that when Jesus comes again, if we don't die before he comes again, he's going to take us into his presence forever. And there we're no longer going to battle sin. We're not going to have weakness. There aren't going to be tears. There's going to be no brokenness. We are going to enjoy Jesus in an unhindered way forever. Um, there, there is great hope because of the death of Jesus. There is forgiveness of sins. There is reconciliation to God. Uh, there is power to change, which means there's power for reconciliation even in broken relationships that we experience. The gospel is powerful. The gospel gives great hope for this life and for the life to come. I, I would just say one final thing. Don't, don't let this story of the death of Jesus grow old to you. Um, marvel at the, at the truth that Jesus came and died. He died for you. <laughs> Be in awe of what God has done for you through the death of Jesus and worship him. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we, we are humbled as we recognize your holiness and the glorious provision of Jesus because we know that his death was for us. He died in our place. We deserve that death, but Jesus willingly obeyed you and went to the cross and died for us so that we could be forgiven. So the guilt of our sin can be washed away, not by our works, not by us trying harder, not by our performance, not by us being perfect in every way, but us confessing our sin and turning to Jesus and trusting in Him and in Him alone and His death for us. Father, there's hope in that. Thank you for the death of Jesus. Thank you for all that you accomplished in his death for us. And I pray that we as a redeemed people would live every day in awe of you and what you accomplished through the death of your son for us and for your glory. May your 
name be praised, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor, for bringing our...